0: Where'd everybody go? It's like they heard Richie was preaching, they took off. Did they already get in their cars? Only half the church left already. All right, well, good morning again. Good morning. morning. It's the gentlemen that are up, not the women. It is a blessing to have Kennedy Bond. What a blessing, what a blessing. All right, um, I'm not going to hold you too long today. I only got a... Yes, sir. Why do I have? I you hid my cup. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that before. That's just in case I need it. But. all right, if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn to Acts chapter 19. I wish that everybody was here this morning for uh, for a Sunday school with uh, Brother Travis, Doctor Travis Haynes. Uh, because he kind of touched on, well, he touched on stuff that we all need to hear, but he touched on a, a little bit of what I'm going to talk about today. I'm preaching out of the book of Acts today, and, and a wise man once told me, he said, I don't understand why preachers don't preach out of the book of Acts more often. He said, because it's a demonstration of what we should be doing today. And boy, isn't it? So we're going we're gonna to dive into the book of Acts today. I'm going to read, uh, matter of fact, if you're, if you're uh, able to come tonight, come tonight At six thirty, and you'll hear the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Um, But this morning we're going to read. Yes, six o'clock is what it said. Six thirty, you'll you'll be just in time for the preaching. Uh, Thank you, mother. You get a gold star too. So there you go. We're gonna we're gonna go over Acts nineteen, verses one through twenty today, and then tonight it's going to be twenty one through forty one. So let's, without further ado, let's go ahead and start reading chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly, "...for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened, and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them, and he separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of Tyranus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks." And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, "We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth." And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and shewed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Amen. Look, I love the book of Acts. When I was a little boy, I might have told you this before. uh, I was going... My my mom had us living in Palaka for some unknown reason, but we lived there when I was a little boy, and uh, I was going to Moseley Elementary School, and back in those days, you would have the people come hand out Gideon Bibles. They would hand out the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs, and I wish we would do that again. We need to get the Word of God back out to our schools and to our children so they at least put their eyes on it. But I was in probably second grade, and uh, I received a little green. It was like that green gold green, whatever that is, like mixed. It doesn't matter what color it was. Anyway, I got the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs and I opened that Bible up and it went to Acts. And I read Acts as a second grader. Didn't understand any of why they were doing what they were doing but I understood they were doing. And those guys did. And I fell in love with the book of Acts before I even knew about Jesus Christ. Before I even knew that he would be my Lord and Savior. Here In the book of Acts, I just want to go over, I want to introduce you to some things before we get started with what's going on in chapter 19. Um, We know that at this point, Christ had already lived, he'd ministered, he died. He suffered the crucifixion, and he was resurrected after three days. And we know that he sent his disciples into the world to preach the gospel to every creature, as it says in Mark 16, 15. And we also know that Jesus had ascended into heaven. But Jesus also foretold his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He told them the Holy Spirit would come. He says in John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. That's John 14, 26. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to go away. I have to go away. I have to die. This is, by, this is scripture. This is prophecy that I'm fulfilling. But when I go away, there will be one that comes unto you. He can't be unto you right now because I am present. But I will recall to your, mem- your, your memory, if you've read the book of Acts, that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the apostles, during the day of Pentecost, are in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit comes unto them as a mighty rushing wind. And they spoke in tongues. And the reason they spoke in tongues is so that the people outside that spoke different languages could hear in their native language the Word of God and know that it was by God that God did these things, that God wrought these things through the disciples, through the apostles for God's glory and so for the man's good why was it for man's good? so they would hear the gospel listen to what I'm telling you so that they would hear the gospel and when they hear the gospel that's for their good because then they can receive the good news it's up to them at that point but God provides the way by giving certain gifts to the apostles and to you and me to spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's given it to us for. All right, look, our gifts that God gives I'm fixing to get on my soup box. Our gifts that God gives us is not for our vain glory. He doesn't give you gifts so that you can go make millions of dollars and celebrate it on your high horse and be put up on a pedestal and proclaim your name above the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not why he's given you the gifts that he's given you. And yes, everybody sitting in this house today has a gift from God. Some of us have more than one. Some of you don't know what they are. But they're there. They are there. And God gave them the gift. That was all the apostles. There was somebody that we're speaking about here in Acts 19 that wasn't present. And that was Paul. Because at the time, Paul wasn't Paul. Paul was Saul. And Paul was on his way to, on the road to Damascus, when the already dead and crucified, resurrected and ascended Jesus appeared to him and blinded him. He blinded Saul of Tarsus. Saul was like, who are you, Lord? He goes, I'm the one that you're persecuting. And boy, that woke him up. And then he sends him, a man named Ananias comes to him and restores his sight. And thereupon, about three years, Paul starts preaching the gospel. But oh, by the way, the reason he was on the road to Damascus, he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians, imprisoning Christians. Anybody who spoke the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior was against the law. Because he was a devout Jew. And he was going to set matters right according to their law. But Jesus appeared to him and blinded him. And then he actually saw the truth after that. So now Paul, being an apostle of Christ, chosen by Christ himself, not by Lot's, but by Christ himself, is doing what Christ told all the apostles to do. He says, go out and preach. And lo, I don't want you just to preach to the Jews, I want you to preach to everybody. So by this time in Acts 19, we have Paul going out, and hes I think this is his third missionary trip, if I'm not mistaken. This is where he writes his letters to Corinth that Brother Travis was talking about. And oh, by the way, I want to explain this to you. He writes these letters to specific churches. I'm sorry I'm moving around, DJ. I'll be out of the camera. They don't need to see me anyway. But (laughs) he's writing these letters to certain churches. But don't think for a second that just those churches saw his letters. Those letters were circulated. The word got around what Paul was preaching. And Paul not only is preaching in certain places where he stays here for, for two years, preaching the word. He's sending letters out to other churches that he'd already planted, and he put other people in, and he's sending people that he has taught to go represent him, and to ensure the churches are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Whoa, wait. So, we're supposed to hold people in accountability? They're supposed to be doing certain things? Absolutely they are. Absolutely. But here Paul encounters some disciples in Ephesus. In chapter 19, early on, he he encounters some disciples in Ephesus and they're preaching. And Paul finds a certain disciple preaching, but they're not preaching Jesus. They're not preaching Jesus. They're preaching. So Paul goes to them and he does something that we should be doing today. He listens to what they're preaching and then he asks simple questions. Notice, he doesn't go and say, hey, you're wrong, you're going to hell. You're wrong, you're blasphemous, you're a heathen, you're going to hell, that's garbage. He's not saying that. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost? And these people are like, we, we, we haven't heard the Holy Ghost. What, what is the Holy Ghost? And then he's like, well, how are you baptized if you don't know about the Holy Ghost? And they're like, Well, we were baptized by, by the way of John. And now it starts to make sense to Paul. Oh, they're doing what they feel is right because they know there's one to come. They know the Messiah is coming. They believe that. They believe what John was preaching. For the one after me will be greater than the one that I I am. I must become less. He must become more. So they know that they're supposed to be preaching about Jesus. They just didn't know Jesus. And Paul informs them, hey, he's already come. He's already done what he's supposed to do. And he's already been crucified. And he's been resurrected and he's in heaven. And I've seen him. So he lays down the truth to them. And what happens? They too receive the Holy Ghost. He baptizes them in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to say this right now. In this scripture, we are supposed to baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. And I believe the reason that, that Luke here, when he's writing Acts 19, is specifying that he baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ. The reason he's specifying that is so that you will know that they are no longer following that of John. They are following that of Jesus. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. If Paul had not shown up on the scene, these people would have just been as lost as the deep, darkest sinner in the world that never heard about John. They would have been just as lost as, as the Chaldean people from ancient times. They would have been as lost as, as the heathens of Ur because they didn't know the truth. And what happened? God sent somebody and he preached the truth. Now I'm going to read something to you. Romans ten fourteen. Paul tells us something else. He goes, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him, of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Praise God. God sent a preacher of the gospel, Jesus Christ, to tell them, hey, you're on the right track. You just, you just got off. You didn't, you didn't get the full story. So let me tell you the full story. And I'm here to tell you right now, there are people living alive today in 2020 who don't know the full story. They don't know the full story. They just know what they were they heard. They heard it from the time they were two or three or old enough to, to hear people talking. Or maybe their families aren't Christians, but they their families have heard about Christ and they don't believe it. So they just mumble things in their house and the children hear the mumblings. Or maybe their friends are Jehovah's Witnesses, or maybe they're Latter-day Saints, or maybe they're they're Buddhist, or maybe they're Islamist or Hinduist. Hinduist? I don't even know if that's a word. Maybe they're believing something else because they haven't heard the truth. And I speak that to the shame of the church. And it's, it's not just Brother Howard's job, Pastor Howard's job. It's not just Brother Richie's job, or Chris's job, or Kevin's job, or Travis's job. It's the church's job to preach the gospel to every creature it's the church's job to preach you are a preacher you may not be behind the pulpit you may not not feel the call of that but I'm going to tell you right now when Jesus saved your soul he called you to preach the gospel preach they should believe on him that come after John we should believe on the name of Jesus Christ so he does that he baptizes them and he carries on. And then we're going to talk about the speaking in tongues here for a little bit. I already spoke about it a little, a little bit. but here, just much like in, in Acts chapter two, there's a reason that the, the, the disciples, the followers, once they receive the Holy Ghost, once they received the Holy Ghost, they were given the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, there's, a, there's a, a doctrine of dispensation. I'm not going to get into that right now. That's a different sermon. But I want you to look up disp- dispensationalism, okay, and understand what dispensation is. But I'm going to tell you right now that these people were given the gift of speaking in tongues for one reason and one reason only, and that was to spread the gospel to everybody, it wasn't for their own vainglory. It wasn't so people could say, Oh, look at that magnificent man who can speak in 15,000 different languages. No. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not even going to look at this right now. I've got notes over here, but I'm going to go off script a little bit, okay? Ephesus was a polyglot city. If you don't know what polyglot means, it means it's a city that spoke many different languages. And why did they speak many different languages? Because Ephesus was an a, uh, economic hub, if you will. It's where everybody came to do trade. So everybody came to trade in Ephesus. So you got people of all walks of life there. People of of different tongues are present. Okay, different languages. So God gives them the ability to go out and speak to these people of different languages. Praise God. Praise God, I'm going to tell you this. You know, the Bible tells you that if if man speaks in tongue, there must be somebody present that can interpret. So if you're ever anywhere and somebody's already speaking a different language or speaking in tongues that you don't know anything about and there's no one there to interpret, he's doing it for his own vainglory, just to show off. Okay, he's not doing it for God's glory. That's why God gives you the gift, for his glory, for your good, for the good of the church, but for his glory. That's right. So understand, this is where east meets west at the time, So God wants everybody to hear the gospel. So he gives these disciples that were just baptized by Paul and they received the Holy Ghost by the laying of hands. By the way, today when we receive the Holy Ghost, when do we receive the Holy Ghost? When you're saved. You don't need Pastor Howard or Richie Thomas to come over to you and put his hands on you and say, Receive the Holy Ghost. You don't need that. All you need to do is believe in your heart And confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And when you are saved, if you believe it, the Holy Ghost comes and dwells in you. Remember I said there's dispensationalism. That's why there's a dispensation of time that is occurring at the time of the apostles. There's a dispensation that's occurring right now in these latter days. The last days. Okay? Alright. So Paul goes on and continues to preach in Ephesus. Notice the Bible says he speaks boldly. He's speaking boldly. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He knows he's in Ephesus. He knows he's in Asia Minor where the Greeks are, where the heathen are. He doesn't care. He boldly speaks the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knows for assuredly that it is the truth. And that's what he's been called to do. Because Paul received the Holy Ghost. The same manner in which he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? He knew he could ask that question because he received the Holy Ghost. But he goes out and speaks boldly. He disputes. Listen to those words. He disputes and persuades. Boy, if only we had more people today that would dispute and persuade men and women to win them to Jesus Christ. And let me be forthright with you here. It's not by your hand. It's not by any special power that you have. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells in you. Okay? No man is coming to the truth unless he's drawn by the Father. Okay? So don't get too high and mighty. Don't start feeling, well, I've heard preachers, I've brought, in my time I've brought 3,500 men and women to know the Lord. Shame on you. No, you haven't. You've been a, you might have been a vessel that God used. I can tell you right now, I honestly don't know if I brought the first person. If I, was, if I was used to bring the first person to know Christ, I pray that I have been. I pray that He continues to use me. But I know who I am, and I know who Jesus is. And it's not about me, it's not of me. It's about Jesus Christ, it's of Jesus Christ, and it's for Jesus Christ. He disputes and persuades. We've got people today that say, oh, you're disputing and you're persuading. They don't use that language. They use stuff like, you're rocking the boat, Richie. You're rocking the boat. Don't rock the boat. They believe their way. Leave them alone. Notice Paul didn't leave them alone when he heard that they were preaching something else. Okay? So don't be throwing rocks at Richie. Read your Bible. Paul didn't leave them alone. Peter didn't leave them alone. John didn't leave them alone. I'm not leaving them alone. Disputing and persuading and concerning the kingdom of God. And then he, we go on, we learn that they speak evil. And this is really what I want to preach on. I want to harp on for a second. They speak evil of that way. This is in verse 9. If you take, take a look at verse 9. It says, But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude... Also, if you look, fast forward, I don't want to get into my, my sermon for tonight, but verse 23, it says the same thing about that way. It says, and at the same time, the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. What on ever are they talking about? That way. They're not talking about just that way. They're talking about the way. The way. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. In John fourteen six, That's the way that they are speaking evil of. And there's a reason they are speaking evil of it. And you're going to have to come tonight to find out. Or you have to read Acts 19 and read your Bible and study. But I will speak more on it tonight. People are still speaking evil today of that way. They're still speaking evil of that way. The only way to heaven. But you know why? Because it tears at their soul. Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And listen, and few there be that find it. That's Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Look, the Bible's the truth. Few be there that find it. Why? Why? A lot of people are heading toward the wide gate. They're walking in the broad way. People don't speak evil of the broad way. They speak evil of the narrow way. They speak evil of the only way. Why? It's tearing at their soul. If I become a Christian, if if, if we believe that, then, then I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. Look, Adrian Rogers said it best. I can sin just as much as I want to. I can. I can sin as much as I want to. I'm saved. The issue there is I don't want to. And you shouldn't want to. If you want to go and sin, you need to get another want to. Your want to is broken. But notice what Paul does. Paul does exactly what the Bible tells us to do. When they spoke evil that way, and were contending with him, what does Paul do? He departs from them. Look, God doesn't tell you to sit there and jaw jack with somebody and argue with somebody and fist fight somebody and beat them in the head with the Bible to tell them you've got to believe the truth. He says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what he says. You're absolutely correct, Brother Arthur. This is what he says, And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. That's Luke 9, 5. Look, I'm just going to, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You, you, it's up to you to receive it or not. If you don't receive it, and I'll go on out to the next house. But are we even going to houses? That's a question. Paul departs from, and then he preaches and teaches for the course of two years at the school of Tyranus. Continued for two years. They dwelt in Asia. They heard the word of the Lord, Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's what the Bible says. What are we doing today? Are we telling the world about Jesus? Are the heathen of the day learning about Jesus? Have you said anything to them about Jesus? Do you know what they believe? What should we be doing Then God gives them special miracles. does special miracles through Paul. And I want to spend just a little bit of time on this. The miracles that we're talking about. They would take the cloth. You remember Paul is a, uh, Paul's a tent maker also. Not only is he a preacher of the gospel of Christ, he's a tent maker. Why is he a tent maker? Because he's, he doesn't want to be a burden to the church. The early church is starting off. So he has a job that he does to earn a wage. So he's not a burden on the church. So he makes tents. Guess what he's doing in the hot sun While he's making tents, he's sweating. He's earning his wage, and what they're doing, they're taking these cloth materials that he's been dripping sweat on and wiping sweat sweat away, the apron that he uses, and they're taking it to people that are sick, that have diseases, and these people are being healed. But it's not because it's Paul. It's because it's Jesus. Paul is a vessel being used By the Lord Jesus Paul's obedient Paul is walking in the way for the truth and the life so God uses him and he uses these these uh, uh, cloths so why so that other people will be drawn they will know that's why he gives them gifts I don't want to spend that's a whole different sermon And then we come to, and we'll be done just shortly. Brother Howard tells me every once in a while when I'm running behind, just to tell you we'll be done shortly. So we'll be, I'm almost done. Exorcists, we come to the exorcists of the evil spirits. Remember in the scripture we just read? Much like Simon the sorcerer. Who remembers Simon the sorcerer? This man believed that he could buy that ability. can Can I purchase that? no no brother because that's already been purchased Jesus Christ has done all the purchasing needed you just need to believe the vagabond Jews the exorcists think that they can simply copy what they've seen Paul doing they attempt to rebuke the evil spirit they they say we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth what by who this guy preaches and what happens They overtake him. The man leaps on him, overtakes him. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of pretenders today in the church. We talked about them this morning. Brother Brother Travis did a good job of calling people out on television. It was beautiful. Um, We have people that, that call themselves Christian pastors that are more interested in selling books than selling Jesus. They're more interested in selling their words instead of telling you what the Word of God says and people fall in love with that. And you know what? Those evil spirits, spirits are going to leap all over them. Cuz I tell you assuredly, they have received their reward. That's what the Bible says. I'm trying to cut to the chase real quick cuz I got about 20 more pages, but I'm not going to go that far. The Bible says many believed. Many believed. It says, many believed and confessed and showed their what? Their deeds. And this is important here. They took their curious arts and books, and what did they do with them? Did they hide them? No. They burned them. And oh, by the way, it tells us how much these items were worth. Back in that day, it says it was worth 50 pieces of silver, right? Isn't that what, 50,000? 50,000, I think. 50,000 pieces of silver. You know what that is worth today? It's over a million dollars. They knew what they had, but they destroyed it. They got it out of their houses. They got it out of their lives. They didn't want any part of it because now they know the truth. It reminds me of back when we were studying, studying Genesis and Bible study. And, um, you know, um, I believe it was not Jacob, but um, come on. No, it was Jacob. Jacob told them, get rid of the idols. Get rid of your idols. Whatever you have, get rid of them. Well, first of all, that tells me that Jacob knew that he had them, that they had them. Why didn't Jacob get rid of them to begin with? Let me ask you a question. You got idols in your house? Sony PlayStation 4 that takes precedence over God? Do you have football? I can't come to church during the fall because football is on Sunday and it comes on before church gets out, especially when Brother Richie's preaching. So my game comes on at one. I don't know if I'm making time. Look, I like football, I like baseball. I love the Lord. I love Him. Do you? Get rid of those things, burn them. They, they burned a, a million dollars of today's money in the streets. That's how much they knew that they needed to destroy that stuff. That's right. They didn't care about the cost or what the worth was. They heard the gospel of Jesus, they knew the truth, and they were converted by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And they removed anything that was contrary to Jesus. You cannot love God and mammon. Man cannot serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are loving two masters. And once again, God stepped on my toes before he told me to speak to you. They didn't sell these things to make money, you know why? Because they knew they were evil. Who am I if I sold something? And I've been here before, well, I don't need that in my house anymore, so let's get rid of it. Well, what are you going to do? Well, let's sell it. Somebody else could use it. What are you doing? You're giving them the stuff that you know that you shouldn't have in your house, and you're making money off from it. What should you be doing with it? If it's not good for you, it's not good for them. Get rid of it. Destroy it. Burn it. Throw it in the dung, out the dung gate. Get it out. And then, on the very end, it says, "mightily grew the word of God and prevailed." That was in verse 20. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. What would happen today if we believed and acted? Acted, like the book of Acts, as those in Ephesus who believed. What if we destroyed those things in our lives that we still are holding on to because we don't want to let them go because they're precious? We're holding on to things because they're worth something. And I'd be a fool. I'd be a fool to get rid of it because that's money. What if we did what the people in Ephesus that believe did? Those things that belong to the old life. Those things that belong to the old man. And not the new creature created in Christ Jesus. I told you when about four years ago now, it's almost four years ago now, that I felt God was calling me into the ministry, I knew there was things in my life I had to get rid of. I had to get rid of them. And there was one thing that I held my house for a few years, and I had it on a shelf. And it was the thing that I held on the most. And I didn't use it. I didn't touch it. I would look at it and stare at it because that represented who I used to be. And if I could walk by it without touching it, I knew that I had done something. Silly me, it was never me. It was Christ who did it in me. He did it through me, and that was a bottle of Jack Daniels I kept up on a shelf. It was about half empty or half full, depending on whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, I guess. But at any rate, it stayed in my house and I would look at it. I got rid of that last year, poured everything down the, down the drain. Not that I touched it to drink or anything like that. I didn't. But it was something that I was holding on to as a, as a reminder of who I used to be. And then God spoke to me and said, you're not that person. You don't need any reminders of who that is. He doesn't remember that person. Why are you remembering that person? God forgave you. He's done away with the old man. Have you done away with the old man? Have you put on the new? Your life would be a lot different and blessed if you would. I'm just going to tell you. More importantly... We would be focused on living a life pleasing unto God and acting in accordance with His Word rather than thinking about what we used to do and holding on to that old man. And I'm going to tell you right now, if we did what people in Ephesus did when they believed, mightily would the Word of God grow and prevail. Whose responsibility is is it to preach? It's yours. It's mine. It's every Christian's. When you come to know Christ, I don't care how old you are. You know, the age of accountability is different for everybody, but when you know, you know. And once you know, you can't go back and put your head in the sand and say, I don't know. No, you know, and you are without excuse. I don't say that to beat you up. I'm just going to ask you a couple, one question, we're going to get out of here. One question that's got a whole bunch of question marks behind it, but don't worry about that. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Only you can answer that. It's between you and God. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you repented from the sin that's in your life? Have you asked God to forgive you? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Does the world know it? Is Jesus Christ prevalent in your life? Are you telling people about your Lord and Savior? Are you showing people who Jesus is through your actions? I, you know, as I was preparing this message, I started thinking, as I'm reading through the book of Acts, I started thinking, what if there was a new book of Acts? What if there was Acts of the present day disciples of Christ? And then I started thinking, Richie, there probably wouldn't be enough to fill up a page. Now, I say that kind of sarcastically, but how much would be filled up? by true followers of Christ looking to do the acts that God tells us to do. And notice the acts that these disciples did. I I challenge you, read Acts. What were they doing? They were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, we got to feed the poor. we gotta, we got we to you know, feed the hungry. We've got to clothe the poor. We've got to feed the people in Ethiopia. we got to do, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's great. That's wonderful. Save the whales. Splendid idea. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Whether it's in season or out of season. Whether it's the thing to do or the thing not to do. Whether it's cool or whether it's common. It's simple. God loves you. He sent His only begotten Son to die for you. The Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, you too shall be with Him for eternity. But if you do not believe it, you're damned already. But as long as you've got a breath in your lungs, as long as you're still upright and living in this world, you still have a chance. And that goes for Christians. You're here for a reason. And as long as you're breathing, that reason is to glorify God and preach the gospel. We're going to have a song played, an invitation hymn. And I implore you this morning, I know I preach hard sometimes, but look at me, I'm smiling. I preach hard sometimes, okay? That's because God preached hard to me. And it took me about 40-something years to get my life straight the way that God... And I'm still not where I need to be. It's a growing in Christ. But I implore you this morning, if you don't know, the Lord Jesus Christ, that today be the day, because there's no greater feeling in the world than to know that you are free from the bondage of sin and that you have everlasting life with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no better feeling than that. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have that feeling, if you receive that free gift from God, nobody can hold anything over your head that can't be taken away from you. And it doesn't matter whether you're on the mountain or in the valley. You are saved for eternity, and you're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. You, You can't do anything to me. You can't. Somebody told me the other day, they're like, well, I say the other day, it might have been a year ago. But they they were like, what if somebody was to hold a gun to your face, Richie, and tell you to to dispute and and deny the Lord? I wouldn't do it. You know why? Because I already have eternity. What can you do to me? You can take my earthly life, but you're only going to take my earthly life if the Lord lets you take my earthly life. It's up to the Lord, not up to you. You know what else is up to the Lord? Eternity. And He's given you the opportunity to receive Him willingly. If you, if you haven't received Him, I implore you, please do, it, do so today. Don't wait another minute. We've got people dying every day. And if you do know the Lord, maybe you've kind of gotten off the beaten path a little bit. Maybe you've kind of been led down the, the wrong hedges. You went outside the hedges and highways. You went the other direction, started making a trail of your own and started intermingling some of the world with your faith. Let day, today be the day that you come back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Because the Lord says, if you're faithful to ask for forgiveness, I'm faithful to forgive. Alright, as we sing. Hymn number 366. 366. Evening service. We're going to finish up uh, Acts 19. Um, and, and it all goes hand in hand, but there's another message in there that is vital, very important, uh, concerning what we're going through in the world today. Um, we're going to be talking about the uproar in Ephesus. And boy, don't we have an uproar in America right now. Uh, anyhow, I love you. I thank you all for coming out. And I'm going to ask, let me see, Brother Bubba, will you dismiss this? Father in heaven you today for your word. Thank you for the love that you give to your children. Thank you for how you, Lord, you just always take care of your children. We thank you for the word and acts and how they went out and preached, Lord, and told others, Lord, and they did it for months, and they, they weren't ashamed or ask any day to just to strengthen your children. Be with each and every one here today, Lord. If there's anyone here that don't know you, Lord, let, let today be that day. Amen. Lord, we need your strength. We need you to go with us. Let us be that life we should be. Let us be back here tonight at 6 o'clock, attentive in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.